Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Angus. And my name is Dan. And uh, in what will become a increasingly, I guess, complicated schedule, we're still on the World Cup, but uh, obviously the Championship will be back soon. But um, yeah, still the World Cup for now. Um, how did uh, game week three go for you, Dan? Yeah, pro- probably not as well as I I wanted it to go. Um, I didn't play triple triple in match day two, and I played it match day three. And with the rotation and play, is teams qualifying? It, it didn't go too well, so I played it on uh, Mbappe. Jesus and Gakpo. Um, Mbappe was obviously rested, uh, so I got six for him. Jesus, I got 12, and Gakpo returns, I got 33. Um, and then not too many other scorers. I got Ochoa for four, Trippier didn't start one, Dumfries six, Stupin and one, Anthony five. Uh, one of my best players was Tanaka, my um, Japanese player who I had to start. He scored um, the winner for Japan for 10. Uh, Saar, 12, and Messi, 10. So I went against Messi, uh, Messi and I probably should have done it over Mbappe. But, yeah, it's it, it's not worked out, I don't think. <laughs> How did your week go? Oh, it was underwhelming but I basically knew it was going to be obviously having played the triple triple in uh, game week two which went well um, I went for another minus eight one of the players I bought Marcus Turam didn't start um, he was supposed to he was in all the predicted lineups but apparently he got sick so uh, that was very inconvenient of him um, I uh, I bought Saïs and Buffal um, which particularly when you compare it, like I could have had Hakimi and Nasiri, I uh, felt a bit more sort of underwhelming. Um, but I had uh, the captaincy on Mbappe, which was obviously slightly annoying with him coming on. Um, then had uh, the vice captaincy on Gakpo, so at least I had that. Um, I had Messi and Saar as well. I mean, Bufal got me five, Saiz four, a Dumfries for six, and I had Matt Ryan for seven. 16 points combined over the, the two games after playing France. Uh, can't complain at that at all. Um, so once the auto subs hit, 67 minus eight, which isn't great, but I knew it was going to be a sort of a dodgy week, really. Um so yeah, uh, we'll be heading into the last 16, obviously on unlimited transfers and uh, looking to sort of mix it up. Um, in terms of the format of this pod, we will go over what happened in each group um, in game week three, and thus who is who's through, and sort of hit on any of the key talking points from those games before getting into talking about the last 16 and who we like from those teams and those matchups. And uh, we'll also answer your questions, of course. Um, so Group A, we had uh, Netherlands beat Qatar 2-0 uh, to finish top of the group. And Senegal beat Ecuador 2-1 to go through in second. Um, obviously, in terms of the goal scorers, with had uh, Gakpo and Frankie de Jong for 
the Netherlands and in the Ecuador game, uh, Ishmael Asar opened the scoring from the penalty spot. Uh, Moises Caicedo equalised and then uh, Koulibaly with what turned out to be the winner. Um, Dan, anything of, of note for you from, from these two games? Um, not too much. For, uh, the Netherlands, the main news was Depay started, so they've been gradually building up his minutes. And um, he, he started this match. Um, he played... Uh, 66, so you'd probably think he's, he starts around the 16 match as well, probably with Gakpo. Um, I was surprised Senegal won. I thought Ecuador, with them being able to just draw the game, and they'd done quite well against Netherlands the game before they would progress, but I think it, uh, Senegal's experience for big matches probably came through there, obviously, uh, African Nations winner. Um, so, yeah, um, no Mane, but Star, uh, Sars stepped up for the penalty. Um, that's, that's basically it for Group 1, I think. Yeah, we'll move on swiftly from them. Uh, you know, there, there was a slight bit of interest there, interest there in second place, but, you know, it sort of played out fairly sort of sensibly particularly compared to some of the later groups. Uh, group B, um, I'll sort of, you know, talk about the interesting details from this one. Obviously, England beat Wales 3-0, uh, two goals for Marcus Rashford and one for Phil Foden, and USA beat Iran 1-0, Christian Pulisic with the goal, um, in obviously what was they had in a must-win game for them. Um, obviously, for England, we sort of knew... Um, given the sort of details that have come out, more or less what England were doing pre-deadline, uh, some of it we got quite close to deadline. But the only the only sort of uh, coin toss was the left back position, whether it's going to be Shaw or Trippier. We basically knew everything else, um, particularly in terms of Foden and Rashford coming in for Saka and Sterling, uh, Henderson and Walker also coming into the side. Um, it turned out that Shaw started. Um, is replaced after I think about 65 minutes by Trippier but um, yeah I think for England it was relatively straightforward I mean obviously England knew that barring a strange set of results they were through either way um, but I don't I don't want to pile on particularly as I was talking to you know a, a fairly disappointed uh, Wales fan last weekend but uh they really weren't up to much in this tournament, and I think they'll be quite disappointed by that. Um, obviously, a great achievement after how long they've been out of the World Cup qualifying, but um, they weren't great, and uh, uh, I think England were relatively comfortable in this game. Um, we will come on to them later, but I think it does throw up some interesting selection decisions uh, for them. In terms of the USA, um, I think they've been the second best team in that group. And I think it's it's deserved that they go through. Um, it was Christian Pulisic who obviously popped up with the goal. Um, I think it, the ball in was from Dest. Um, and Pulisic, who did get injured in that incident, um, has since confirmed that he, he will play in the last 16 game. Um, but, you know, big call. I guess there was one big call from the manager. He, uh, he brought Cameron Carter-Vickers in at centre-back. Who was excellent? Um, it was clearly former Luton. 
Yeah, well, formerly of a number of places. Um, I think it was clearly a move to get probably their best ball-playing centre-back into the side in this particular game, and it worked really well for them. Um, so, yeah, so uh, England and USA progressing. Um, we'll get into Group C, um, which was the oh, Tunisia 1-0 win over France and Australia 1-0 win over Denmark. Uh, Dan, anything from these games particularly sort of jump out to you? I thought C was the uh, Argentina group. Oh, was it the Argentina one? Oh, I've given myself <laughs> Australia, of course. Yeah, so 2-1 to Mexico against Saudi Arabia and 2-0 yeah. to Argentina against Poland, um, which left us with Argentina going through first and Poland going through second. Uh, so, yeah, what jumped out to you from that group? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we have to talk about the Argentina Poland game really. Um <clears throat> I still don't know how good Argentina are. Um they they play, they definitely played a lot better, yeah. but Poland I'm not sure if Poland knew if they were playing a football match. I, I don't they, think they, that they, they were more concerned with not getting booked. <laughs> well, I, I just don't know what they were doing. They looked like they didn't know whether to, to attack or defend, and in the end, they didn't either. Um, but they're through, which yeah. is what they aim to do at the start of the tournament. Um, and they probably have been the second-best team, um, so they deserve to go through. Um, Argentina, the main news was probably Alvarez started up front. Uh, Martinez, had, apart from... You mentioned trying to score the best hat trick of um, disallowed goals in match day one. He di- he didn't really do much. Uh, he came in and, and scored. Um, they also started Enzo Fernandez, who we thought that would happen after his ex- excellent goal um, against Mexico. Um, they also brought in Christian Romero back in. Uh, you mentioned you thought it was to do with the height. Yes, um, I may have made a slightly unkind comment about yeah. uh, Lissandro Martinez being shorter than me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> the Argent- Argentina were a lot, a lot better in this match. Um, Messi obviously missed his penalty, um, which I thought it was a soft penalty. Yes, um, <laughs> but um, they're, they're through. They've topped the group. Yeah. Um, we'll see throughout the groups that it's, it's not that easy to top the group. Yeah, um, and, and the tournament starts now. It's knockout football. Yeah. We'll see see how they can do. Uh, Poland, they're through. I don't, I don't know what else to say about Poland, really. Um, there, there was the very entertaining period where people were counting yellow cards when it was... Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I fell asleep in this match, Angus. I, I told you before we came on, I didn't know until the end of the game that Messi actually missed the penalty in the first half because I, I fell asleep. Yeah, um, so yeah. It was a very, there was the very exciting period where people suddenly were like, okay, they're level on uh, whatever is goal difference, head-to-head, and goals scored. What comes next? And then everyone remembered, obviously, from the last World Cup. Yeah, that it was yellow cards, and so people were then scrambling around trying to work out what the yellow card count was, and uh, 
but Argentina couldn't get another goal and neither could Mexico. So uh, it all fittingly, it almost felt like Poland went through by default, which given the way they played feels about right. <laughs> um, but we'll move on from them. And we'll talk about Group D, which, as I said, was Australia winning 1-0 against Denmark and Tunisia winning 1-0 against France. Um, I'll start off with the, I guess, less interesting part, which was Tunisia beating France. France, a heavily rotated France team. Um, they they did all sorts of things with that team. They had uh, Matteo Genduzzi basically playing as the left winger in a 4-3-3. They had... Uh, Kamavinga, who's a centre mid playing left back, like they clearly didn't care. They were just there to fulfil their fixture obligations. Um, and Tunisia did well, but just not quite well enough because of the previous results. Um, and because to go on to the, the big result, Australia beat Denmark. Um, now I had said, well, we can go back to my pre-tournament prediction, which. It's it's one of the it's one of those things when you get right, you you want to talk about constantly. Um, I said that I I really wasn't sure about Denmark. I um, I know at least in multiple places talking to people, I said that I thought they were going to be this tournament's Turkey, um, which feels pretty nailed, <laughs> nailed on now. Um, and it it was exactly the the issue. Um, goal scoring. They scored one goal in the three games from a set piece. Um, you know, their centre-back, one of their centre-backs is the only one who's come away with a goal. And that was the big issue for them. I thought Australia, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on them because, you know, they've gone through and they've done well to go through. Um, it feels like it's been achieved through a lot of like hard work, which I know is a thing, like less talent, but lots of hard work. Um it was actually a really well-taken goal by Lecky. I have to give him credit on that. Um, I thought Suter... Well, I thought all the back four were excellent. I mean, Harry Suter is obviously very good, and we've spoken about Harry Suter. But I think all of the back four were actually very good in this game. Um, and I was struck as well by Denmark's lack of urgency. They just... There were times where they were sort of attacking and trying to get a goal, but it sort of felt like they were like, we'll go forward and hopefully if we... if things go right we'll end up with a goal it was just it was really sort of underwhelming from them um which when they needed a win to go through there wasn't much much time in that game where you really felt that they were going to win um you know maybe a draw but like you, you never really felt like they were going to win and so they were a very very trendy dark horse pick for the tournament and they're going home bottom of the group uh, <laughs> with one point and one goal scored. So uh, there's that. Um, so obviously, just to clarify, France went through top of the group. Australia went through second. Um, that's the other sort of thing to clarify, which is obviously massive for Australia. France, you know, job done for them. They did what they needed to do. They did what they needed to do in the first two games. So you know, as shown with the selection in this. So they'll be sort of looking ahead. They've given most of the players a rest. They did still give some of the big names, you know, Mbappe, Griezmann, etc., some time in the game, probably just to keep their rhythm up. But um, they uh, they go through and, um, yeah, um, we'll come to them as well in the last 16 sort of comments. But... Um, 
because it's hard to read too much into France from this game anyway. Um, but we'll move on to Group E, and I am now suddenly doubting myself about which... Oh, so that's the Japan... Uh, so this was where sort of the chaos started. Um, so this was Costa Rica 2, Germany 4, and Japan 2, Spain 1. So Dan, talk to us about this one. Well, it was absolutely bonkers, wasn't it? Um, so I, I, I was watching it and <coughs> um, Spain are winning and Germany are both winning, as yeah, expected, at half-time. one nil each. So... At the end, towards the end of the first half and all through half time, I'm on my phone. I'm doing the old debating whether to watch the the end of the games, and it's it's funny what happens with Japan when they actually bring on their better players. Um, we've mentioned before. I don't know how he picks the side, but it's like. <laughs> It's like his backup plan to have always better players on the bench and just bring them on. So he brought on uh, Matoma and Dio. Dian? Doan. Doan, that's the one. Um, and instantly, um, Doan scores a goal. And then two minutes later, or three minutes later, we, we have the goal oh, God, yeah. uh, where... Well, it's close to going out of play, and um, it hasn't because of the the way the ball is. It has to be the whole ball that include not the the bottom of the ball, the whole ball. Anyway, that it's lost. The decision is taking ages, and it's one of those things you, you have to make sure it's a hundred percent out to disallow it. And I don't think they couldn't, so they allowed it. And then that wasn't even the most bonkers thing that happened. In the Germany game, I think you were watching, yep. you and Jamie were watching the Germany game. I was watching the Spain game. And you were like, G Germany should be about 4-0 up yep. here. And then I've got the notification on, and then I just see Costa Rica won, Germany won. And so I sort of flip over, it's 1-1. One, one. And then... Um, I go to the toilet and I came back in and I, I had the game on the TV and it was 2-1. <laughs> so our chat's going absolutely bonkers because we then realised that Costa Rica and Japan are going through. Yeah. And then you've had the thing, I, I know it's they didn't mass rotate, but Spain rested a few players as well. And at this point you're thinking, oh no, that's it's a disaster. But... Um, Germany pull it round and end up winning 4-2. And then Spain at that point, they don't really need to finish top of the group. No. Um, the way it's working out, they, they're avoiding Brazil in, in the quarters if, if everything progresses. So sort of peters out. But yeah, we'll always have those three minutes, Angus, where we <laughs> yes. thought... Yeah, Spain, I think, I think, Spain and Germany were going out. Yeah, I think that that's probably you know there was chaos across some of the other groups and everything, but I think the best period for everyone it was either the yellow card counting between Mexico and Poland or the three minutes when Spain and Germany were going out. Um, yeah, it was just mad. Um, 
because you know, even when Japan went ahead, like say I was watching the uh, the Germany game and we didn't think anything of it. Germany were in control. They t- the woodwork multiple times and you were just like, oh, it's only a matter of time. Like it's almost, can they get enough if, if Japan stay ahead? And then Costa Rica scored and it was like, oh, oh okay. Like, because then you start thinking, oh, well, that's just even better for, you know, Spain and Japan. And then Costa Rica scored again. It was like, oh, God. Like, um, and then Kai Havertz ruined everyone's fun. Um, so, he got um, man of the match, though, didn't he? That's the important thing. so thrilled with that man of the match award. <laughs> Um, and everyone's pick like that they wanted Fulkrug. He eventually came on and scored. Um, there you go. What yeah, a man! That's uh, two World Cups in a row for Germany, where they've been eliminated in the group stages. Um, I, I just don't know what is it a lack of quality or well, in com- key areas? Clearly, clearly, there there's there's clearly a mentality issue. Uh, that's that's abundantly clear. Um, I think there's an element of not necessarily picking your best players or whatever or giving them the best chance for the, to succeed. I thought it was truly bizarre that for Bayern Munich, very successfully, uh, Nabry plays on the right and Sane plays on the left. And yet in that game for Germany, Sane played on the right and Nabry played on the left. And it's particularly when you've got the front four that all play together. Why not just play them how they play together? <laughs> so... Uh, there's certainly questions about the manager, but yeah, there's there's also clearly a mentality issue there and uh, something they need to address because it's been a relatively similar format both times. Two out of the three games, I think in both ca- both cases, it was the first game and the third game that were bad. So um, they've they've clearly got you know there's there's obviously issues in terms of personnel and whatever, but that sounds like a mentality issue to me, particularly if it's the first and third games where. Uh, which are the bad ones. Um, But we'll move on from them because I could get sidetracked into talking about particularly Germany for a long time. Um, We should clarify, Spain went through top. uh, No, Spain went through second. Japan went through top. Um, We'll move on to Group F, uh, where Morocco beat Canada 2-1 and uh, Croatia and Belgium drew 0-0. Um, I was watching Canada-Morocco and it was very entertaining. I have to say, I was very impressed yet again with Morocco. I think they're good. Um, We'll talk about them a bit later in the last 16 portion, but I think they're going to be a difficult game for Spain. Um, Ziyech got a goal. The first goal is a gift from the goalkeeper. He comes charging out. And he almost panics about what he's going to do. And he tries not to, like, sort of hoof it or whatever. And he ends up passing it straight to Ziyech. Um, Martin Keown on commentary talks about it. Like, all Ziyech had to do was tap it in. He's lifted it very well. Like, he's, Martin Keown talks about it like it was a four-yard tap-in or whatever. He's he's lifted it well to finish the chance. But, like, you know, he still had to lift it into an empty net. Um, and this year he got a second or got the second. Um it's first Moroccan player to score in two World Cups. So that's a nice thing for him to have. Um, Canada, you know, they had their moments. Um, they forced an Aguerd own goal late in the first half. But it still felt like Morocco were the better side. Canada felt quite frustrated. Um, I think there was, a, you know, they, they weren't having much joy because Morocco 
was set up well and frustrating them. But I think they, there was clearly some frustration there about the opportunities they'd had in the other games and not taken um, that sort of carried over into this one. Um, in terms of the other game, um, yeah, draw was enough for Cro to send Croatia through and with Morocco's win to send um, Belgium out. Now, obviously, we've been very low on Belgium and I didn't watch this game. Like I say, I was watching the Canada-Morocco game. But I mean, by all accounts, Rom how Romelu Lukaku has come out of this game with zero goals. I'm not sure how Nobody he's not knows. top goal scorer of the tournament. Their top goal scorer for the tournament is Mishi Batshuayi. I know, but he he should be the hot. He should have yeah, like three he, or yeah. four goals. I, I think he had an XG of nearly two just in the forty-five minutes he played in the second half, which is impressive. <laughs> And yeah, um, it's. But at the same time, you know, it 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 would have felt unjust almost for Belgium to go through. So, uh, you know, they've run into an issue. Um, I think this was talk we've talked about it, them. There's only so much we need to cover. It felt like a tournament too far for this squad. Um, Roberto Martinez is gone as manager now as well, so there will be some turnover for them. I think a couple of those players their international careers might be done in terms of whether a new manager decides to freshen it up or whether they decide that they're done with that. Um, particularly the likes of Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Um, Do you think De Bruyne will stop? He clearly views it increasingly as an inconvenience. Mm. He's, he's clearly not enjoying going and playing for Belgium. Now, whether that changes, new manager comes in. Roberto Martinez has actually been their manager for a while now. I think seven years, was it? Yeah. Whether that changes with like a new manager coming in with new ideas and that sort of thing, whether that helps, I don't know. But um, he, he's clearly not in love with playing for Ger for Belgium at the moment. So um, that could, you know, it wouldn't shock me. But like my guess would be it would sort of be a wait and see Um you know, when it rolls back around again, maybe sort of a bit more normalcy returns to the schedule. You know, if you're an international player, you've basically been playing non-stop for the best part, like two years. Or um, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, from that group, Morocco go through first and Croatia go through second. Um, so we'll move on to today's games. Um, so we have from its group... H went first, so we'll do Group G, um, which was Serbia two, Switzerland three, and Cameroon one, Brazil nil. Uh, so Dan kicks off on this one. Anything interesting? Well, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Brazil, uh, they knew they were through, so they they changed near enough their whole team. Uh, as he expected, that the lineup basically got leaked what two, three days ago. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it you... got amended on Wednesday, but I think yeah. it had originally leaked on Tuesday. So they basically rotated the whole team. Uh, I, d I didn't watch this game. Uh, I watched uh, Switzerland, Serbia, more. Um, but Cameroon did win the, in the end. Um, Jamie's man, Abubika, uh, got the winner, and then. Took his shirt off and got a second yellow card. So even if they'd got through, he wasn't going to play anyway. But 
Yeah, what a character. Um, he said um, before the tournament, he, he's better than Salah. So it's a long-standing thing. I think that comments from a while ago. Uh, yeah, so, well, so. it's 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 hard to argue with him. He scored more. <laughs> he scored more World Cup goals anyway, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and in the Switzerland Serbia game. Um, a lot of tension between these two teams. Um, and uh, Switzerland done the job 1-3-2. Very back-and-forth game in the in the first half. Um, it was 2-2 at half-time. At one point, Serbia were 2-1 up. Um, they started with Vlahovic and Mitrovic up front, which I don't think we've seen before in the other two games. No, this was uh, the first time Vlahovic yeah. played. And then uh, Switzerland, Shakiri got his his typical main tournament goal. Uh, and Bowler, again, he's been highly rated for a long time, but he now seems to sort of be fulfilling his p- potential. And then Freuler got the winner. Um, Nottingham Forest player. Um First player to score a World Cup goal since Van Hooydonk, 98. <laughs> you heard it as well, did yeah. James? Just that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, as expected, Brazil won the group and Switzerland was second. Although, you, you did, I didn't realise, but you pointed out that it was very close for Brazil not topping the group, yeah, which would have been interesting. One more goal. I didn't realise until someone pointed it out later on that if Switzerland got one more goal, they topped yeah. the group. And obviously that would have meant Brazil-Portugal, yeah. which um, we'll move on to Group H now, Angus. Yes. Um, so for Group H, Ghana lost 2-0 to Uruguay and South Korea beat Portugal 2-1. Um the Ghana-Uruguay game, um, there were two main talking points from this. One, Ghana got a penalty against Uruguay and missed. <laughs> um, so I was talking to uh, a, a Ghanaian friend of mine, and he was saying in this game it, it looked like they were playing... Um, almost mentally the game from uh the 2010 world cup and this game at the same time it was clearly still weighing on their minds all this all the mental baggage that basically the national team has carried from that uh elimination um and andre ayu certainly looked to be feeling that when he stepped up to take the penalty um and uh, it wasn't a great penalty. It was a good save, but it was not a good penalty. Um, he looked completely unconvinced. He stopped. He basically stopped up before hitting the ball, which is one thing I hate because it might work for you, but if the keeper doesn't go, you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> so he, he clearly, you know, wasn't convinced. Um, and then the other talking point was Luis Suarez. Uh, Luis Suarez, who has run more in this game than in the last like eighteen months combined. Um, yeah, he was out here nutmegging people. Um, he got, well, he gets the fantasy assist for one of the goals because obviously it was his shot that was saved that was turned in by uh, De Arasqueta. 
and then he got he set up the Arisketa for the second goal. Um, a player who a lot of people have been crying out for, um, and it took until the third game for him to start, and he got two goals. Um, and for a long time, they thought that was going to be enough. Until things changed in the South Korea-Portugal game. Uh, Portugal took the lead very early. Uh, Ricardo Horta, um, Braga striker who's come into the team, scored the goal. Um, South Korea equalised after 27 minutes and that was all fine. And um, Uruguay was still through, Portugal going through top. It was all, you know, sort of everyone knew what was happening. And then in the 91st minute, South Korea score, um, which causes chaos, particularly in the... uh, Ghana-Uruguay game with all of a sudden the equation having completely changed. Uh, uh, It was Huang um, who scored the goal, Son who made it. um, And yeah, and then, you know, the Ghanaian fans almost felt like they won because they took Uruguay and, well, Luis Suarez particularly with them um, after the tournament. So, uh, yeah, so in the end, uh, Portugal finished top, South Korea finished second, which, uh, you know, I talked about a couple of my sort of correct predictions. They were basically the one team I'd written off <laughs> qualifying, and they they were the one who went through, um, as in after the two games, not pre-tournament, after the two games. The one team I was like, well, it's not going to be them, was South Korea, and they're the ones that have gone through. So, uh, yeah, obviously big for them. Um and, you know, very disappointing for Uruguay, particularly because, like, you know, like I say, for, you know, when 90 minutes hits, you think you've done the job and then it turns out you haven't. Um, the manager had taken off a number of his attacking players and all of a sudden they needed a goal. Um, and, you know, you're relying on sort of, you know, old Edinson Cavani to try and get you a goal and that sort of thing. Um so, so yes, yeah, so they're they're leaving the tournament, um, and you know Portugal and South Korea go through. So uh, that's all of the groups. Um, we will sort of quickly go through, well, relatively quickly go through the last sixteen ties now. And what we will probably do is give you two or three players from each team that we like, um, and we might give you a, a prediction for the winner as well. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I have lost the chronological order um, everything's gone slow on me now what's the first game is it Netherlands USA yeah Netherlands USA um, so yeah Dan two or three players from each of these teams and a result uh, you don't have to you could give a brief description but I'm Sort not not wanting to go too long. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to say Netherlands will win. Um, I think it's going to be closer than than we think. Um, I've not been overly impressed by Netherlands, but I think just maybe their experience, the players might get them through. Gakpo's the main player. Um, Dumfries is all, also a good option, and maybe differential, maybe Depay. Yeah, he's probably their best player if he and he's starting to get minutes. So those would be the three. Um, do you want me to do USA? Are you doing USA? 
Uh, well, given that I'm going to predict USA to win, I'll cover them. Uh, so I actually think USA will come through this game. Um, like I said, I think it'll be close. Um, but I actually think they, they do have the ability to, to trouble Netherlands enough to beat them. Um, I'm going to say uh, probably the preferred ones are the two fullbacks, um, Dest and Anthony Robinson. Um, I also wouldn't mind going with someone like uh, Christian Pulisic, who... Um, is certainly not the Christian Pulisic that that's been playing for Chelsea. Um, so, uh, and and he's on the set pieces. He's not great at them, but you know he might accidentally get one right, and there might be a return in it uh, for you there. So, uh, so I'd go with him. Um, but we'll move on to the second game tomorrow, which is uh, Argentina against Australia. I'm gonna oh, it's Argentina, isn't it? Yes. Um, The only the only way I can see Australia doing it is they've just got to defend for their lives and, yeah, and get something on the counter, sort of like against Denmark or set piece, big yeah. Harry. Yeah. Um, so the Argentinian players, I'd probably go obviously Messi. Um, don't hate Di Maria, but I'd also go for Alvarez. I think he'll start over Martinez again. Yeah. Um... A word of caution to keep an eye out for pre-deadline. Uh, there is a doubt over Di Maria. Okay. Um, so uh, he might still play, but it's just something to keep an eye out on. There's there's been some speculation about whether he'll start. Um, I think he took a, a sort of you know bang to the knee or something. So uh, it's not expected to sort of rule him out, but he might start on the bench. So that might be something for people to bear in mind. Um. From an Australian point of view, um, unless you're like me, who has to have a triple up, I'm not sure how much you'd be looking for by way of Australia. Um, Matt Ryan, obviously, particularly if you're looking to spend less on your goalkeeper position, is one of the 4.5 goalkeepers. Um, I think there are other options to go with elsewhere, though. Um, and for me, I'm looking at the likes of, you know, well, any of the defenders, they're all 4.5. Um, and then McGree and Leckie, um, who seem the most likely to make something happen in attack, are both 5.0 midfielders. Um, but like I say, unless you're like me and you have to pick them, I don't know why you would be picking them. Um, so, um, so the next one we've got is France against Poland. Uh, this is France. Another easy one, I think. Um, just... I struggle to see this Poland side causing France too much problem, uh, problems. Uh, Mbappe, Giroud and Hernandez are the main players, I think, for France. Don't hate Griezmann. I think he's going a bit under the radar, especially the way Gaffer scores yeah. on the bonus, I think. Um, I'll, I'll mention one or two others for France. It's... Uh... I, I, you know, I think they do have a lot of options. Um, I would mention someone like Kunde. I think he he may well be the starter at right back. Um, I'd prefer Hernandez if you can stretch the budget, though. I think he's a better pick. Um, and Usman Dembele. Um, on the Polish side, uh, Wojciech Szczesny is the obvious one. Um, I think maybe Matty Cash is someone who can, you know, I mean, he's not necessarily likely to get an attacking return, but I think some of the some of the defensive bonus might be might be good for him, and then obviously someone like Lewandowski because if they get a chance, there's there's you know it's likely to fall to him. 
um, but I probably wouldn't use a striker spot up on him. Um, so the next one we've got is England Senegal. Um, I'm going to edge England. I'm not convinced it's going to be easy. Could could see extra time and penalties. As as I said earlier on in in the episode, Senegal know how to play tournaments. Um, it, it's hard to pick players for England because, especially, well, Kane's the obvious obvious one. He's going to start, yeah. but um. I don't think you'll find out who's going to play before the deadline, no, especially as the match is Sunday. Well, it's a couple mm. of days after deadline. Um, if you had to guess, and I'm just to sort of interrupt briefly, who plays in the two wide attacking places? Rashford and Saka. I'm not confident. I think Rashford does. Yeah, I think but... I think probably the most popular prediction at the moment, which is probably what I'd go with, is Rashford and Sterling. I don't hate Sterling. Well, I wouldn't pick him, but, yeah, but this is Southgate. Predicting Southgate to pick Sterling is normally a safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone else from England you particularly like? Well, Shaw's, Shaw's going to play, isn't he, at left-back? And he has to play Walker. He's got to build him up. Just in not not saying we are through, but just yeah. in case we go through, uh, he's probably the only one who can keep up with an Mbappe in the tournament. I think. Um, yeah, um, it's probably not far off. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those, those are probably the best ones. Like you say, that little bit of uncertainty about the right back spot. Like I've liked Trippier before, but you have to assume Walker plays, but. What, what about Bellingham? Walker will play either for me to, to be like, yeah, I'll go with Kyle Walker because he could just go with Trippier from the start. What about Bellingham? I think he's going to play. He's going to play. He comes back in. I'm not. I'm not sure whether that's helpful for Bellingham if he sticks with the same midfield he did against um, Wales. I think that might actually be better for Bellingham. Um, so I think he's a decent pick, particularly because he is cheaper. But that's that's just where my slight uncertainty would come. See, with my, with England, I think if we have to play four at the back, Bellingham can't play as one of the DP. He's got to play further forwards. So therefore, Henderson or Phillips has to play with Rice. Yeah. Um, but I do potentially like him. Like I said, I think he's he is a bit sort of cheaper. Um, well, six five, isn't it? Regard, um, Bellingham is six point five. Yes, yeah, so obviously, um, in some regard, you could say you need less from him to feel justified. Yeah. Um, in terms of value for money. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of Senegal, um, if you are going for them, I'd probably look at um. Jacobs or Jacobs, I I I genuinely don't know because he plays in Germany, but it's now uh, he's four point zero. It's on set pieces, right? Yeah, which was a bit of a surprise when it happened. I think I saw that in the second game, which uh, did surprise me a bit. But uh, yeah, him at four point zero, so obviously just that additional element as well of like um, you're not investing much. It might be someone just to sit on your bench and be sort of safe mm. or whatever. 
Um, Saar, obviously. Do you uh, think they start NDI again? Yeah, I yeah. reckon, Jai. And I think at 5.5, again, particularly if you're looking to build out a squad, I don't think he's he's the worst sort of option to go with. Any um, of their strikers? Not for me. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty about the attackers, which is what yeah. slightly puts me off on Jai, because he could go back to the um, Saar, Dia and Jeju front three, in which case Njai drops, drops out. I don't think he will, but it's a possibility that puts me off just slightly, but um, I think it will be Saar and Jai and Dia, but um, I'm not 100% on that. Um, but we'll move on to the Monday game. So the first one we've got is Japan against Croatia. I can't believe I've got Japan. I've got. Th- <laughs> I can't believe both two of our teams got through Angus. Um. Well, I'm going to say, well, it's hard to know who the manager's going to pick yeah. first because it, I have no idea. It. I'm going to say Gonda. I don't like. I don't think he's a good goalie, but just it. We'll get on to Jeepers Keepers and yeah. and, and that, but he could be an okay option. Um, I have no idea, just because I don't know who's going to play Angus. Yeah, I think you could, you could. The ones you can like guarantee are the likes of Yoshida will play. Yoshida, yeah. Um, uh, Taranka, but Taranka he's a defensive. Will Kamada will play. Yeah, yeah, it's quite clear Kamada will play. He's not done anything, which seems a bit wrong, but he, he's he's involved. Yeah. Um. You just look at the list and. All their better players, he just doesn't play. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's truly amazing. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think they're going to beat Croatia. I, I think this will chance. suit them. I think there's a chance. Um, I mean, I've got the Croatia side of this. I'm I'm going to tip them to narrowly go through this. I don't I, like. I'm not sort of thrilled about it, but um, I'll tip them to narrowly go through it. Um, in terms of potential assets, you've got. Perisic, although him being a midfielder in this feels like less of a, a benefit. Um, I, I think Kramaric is playing well. Um, I think you could do you could do worse than him. Um, and then obviously you'd look at one of the defenders. Um, probably Sosa um, at five point zero um, would be the main one I would I would go for. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, that's another one that could go either way. I'm going to tip Croatia narrowly, but uh, that that one feels really sort of unpredictable to me. Uh, the next one we've got is Brazil against South Korea. We're going Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like uh, they they're a bit quiet on Neymar, aren't they? Yes, they said. Uh, what was it? He he was ruled out for the group stages, and I don't think they've said anything since. This feels very much like when he hurt, he, he broke his back. Well, I mean, Neymar um, posted a picture of his ankle, didn't he? Sort of swollen yeah. up um, after it happened. I, th- I think Richarlison at eight is... Mm. That's ridiculous value. He's, he's going to start. Finishes juniors, a great option as well, I think. Um, and then... Is do you jump on one of the, what probably one of their defenders? Um, 
Is Danilo back or can we get so Minotaur? So he's another one that was ruled out for the yeah. rest of the group stages. <laughs> uh, I think the expectation was that he would be back, but, you know, yeah. nothing certain. Especially with the boost, you need to make sure yeah. playing players, don't you? So, yeah, it's hard. But definitely Richarlison and Vinicius Jr. would be definitely two of them. Yeah, I think that's the problem with them, is that the, the defenders you can guarantee are going to start are Thiago Silva and Marquinhos. Um, so maybe you just take the cheaper one of them. and Yeah, Silva. Um, I mean, Silva's 6.0, which, you know, isn't amazing, particularly for a centre-back, but it's also not a disaster. Um, it does have set-piece for it. Yeah. Uh, so it might be that one. Um, in terms of South Korea, um, you know, Son is obviously one who uh, stands out, um, particularly after his uh, uh, work to set up the goal uh, today, the winning goal. Um there aren't too many I'd be looking at with them. Um, you know, again, maybe the goalkeeper, another 4.5. Um, particularly, as as we've mentioned briefly, if you're looking at Jeepers Keepers, he's likely yeah. to face shots. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I wouldn't be looking to pile into them. Um, you know, I think I think they could make life somewhat difficult for Brazil, but Brazil should have more than enough to to get past them. Um, so we move on to Tuesday's games. Uh, we've got Morocco against Spain. Yeah, I'm re- really intrigued by this match. Yeah. Um, I think Morocco, I think since the start of the competition, we knew they'd be solid defensively. Um, and they've got some options throughout the team on Gaffer. Uh, Ziyech, uh, fight, they're just so cheap as well. 5.5, great option. Um, you've then got Hakimi at um, right back, 5 million. Um, and then I know you, you've liked Buffal as yeah. a striker, although he's not really returned. Uh, he's definitely been an option. And then I'm guessing the goalie, although do we know if the goalie's... Did the goalie start? Yeah, he came the back number from one. The third game. Yeah. So Bono, he came back from the yeah. third game. Um, so I'm guessing, like, like we've mentioned before, Jeepers Keepers, he might do quite well in that. Um, the other one, I guess, to mention, um, I went with him, but Saiz, um, if yeah, he's the set pieces, he's always in and around it. So Yeah. Um, yeah, on the Spain side, it's interesting. I mean, I... They, they rested a couple of guys. Um, I think one you could look at as rotation. Two were definitely rests um, in Laporte and Alba. Um, I wouldn't read anything into their, their spot being in danger or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, for those looking at Jordi Alba, I still think he's a good pick. Um, my suspicion is that Azpilicueta plays at right back. It's obviously slightly cheaper, but I'm not certain enough between him and Carvajal, uh, the two that will definitely start. There's a defenders in the game at Alba and Laporte, so if you want a defender, it'd be one of them. Um, Midfield-wise... Asensio is up front, is he, maybe? Uh, I think it'll be Morata now. I think Morata will will just sort of 
be there, be the starter now. Olmo is potentially an option. Um, I think he's started all the games and uh, he's looked bright, so I think he may well stay in the team. Um, I also like someone like um, Gabby, particularly because he's cheap. He'll play and he's 6.5. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those, um, and he might sort of stumble, possibly literally, into a return. Um, and I would look at Albaro Moretta. He's 9.5. Um, he's a different player when he plays for Spain. Um, and I think he's he's doing well. And I think um, you could do a lot worse than him. Um, do, do you know what annoys me about Spain is is that he, he does sub so early. It's, it's yeah. before the 60th minute. It's like the opposite of Southgate. Yeah. I mean, he's very proactive. One thing I'll yeah, say very. about Luis Enrique, he is very proactive. It's like he gets bored. It's like I haven't made the decision for a while. Um, well, he's certainly a character. Um, oh, yeah. If, if, anyone, if anyone speaks or understands Spanish, uh, except for game days, Luis Enrique does an hour on Twitch streaming and sort of whatever every day. Um, and apparently it's it's quite entertaining. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's options throughout that team. But like you say, I think that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, I personally think Spain will edge it, but it really could go either way. Um, and the last game of the last 16 we've got is uh, Portugal against Switzerland. Yeah, I'm... This is another interest. This is the sort of team Portugal could stumble across, yeah. uh, stumble up against. Um, you've got Costa, 4.5 goalie. I think priced up wrong, probably. Um, you've then got Ronaldo. He's going to start his knees on yeah. penalties. Um, Fernandes, I think he's got two goals, two assists. Uh, I think it depends whether, like, are, are you counting the the first goal against? Uh, no, that's his it? goal. It's not Ronaldo's goal, sure. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, Cancelo as well. Yeah. Um, they're they're the main options. Um, I think I th- I've got a feeling though Switzerland beat them. I I think Switzerland very much could, and um, in terms yeah. of talking about their asset. Uh, Sommer, very good goalkeeper. He um, didn't start today, though. No, he didn't. Of course, it was Koval, wasn't it? I think, yeah, I think he was ill. I think he was ill. So, if if uh, I, I had had sort of spaced on that, if um, I, I hadn't seen any comments after the game, if there were any sort of comments about whether he'll be all right, then uh, obviously that shapes things because is a good goalkeeper. Koval's a good goalkeeper as well, but if you know which one of them is going to play, yeah. that's that's handy. Um, I still like Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm going to keep bringing him up. 4.5. Um, Shakiri. You know, we, we know what he's capable of. Yeah. Um, and Ebola is 6.5 as a forward. You, you're going to need to find some savings in your squad. He could be yeah. one. Um, so yeah, so the, those are the ones I, I sort of like. Um, so that's all of the ties. Um, we'll get into the questions. We've had a few questions, and uh, we'll we'll sort of try and wrap it up relatively quickly. 
it's not been too bad, but uh, we'll try to, you know, get through these questions now. Uh, so FPL Frustration is asked, uh, what are your thoughts on good picks for Jeepers Keepers in game week four? And do you know how many transfers we can roll between each game week? Thought I'd sneak in a second question. He's then followed up saying, ignore the second question. Gaffer have said on Twitter, only one transfer can be rolled. So it's worth us saying on here anyway, as the guys have said, only one transfer can be rolled. So you get five free transfers after the last 16. Um, if you're in a good enough position, you don't need to use all of them. Uh, only one of them can be rolled forward. So, uh, so it, it, you know, with some of them, it might be a case of just making transfers for the sake of it. If, if you sort of, if you don't lose that many players, um, obviously the budget will go up again. So it might be that you can potentially upgrade in a spot where you've saved some money, that sort of thing. Um, but good picks for Jeepers Keepers, Dan. Yeah, so um, I think it's the team, uh, the underdogs against the big team. So Matt Ryan, Chesney, um, the South Korean goalie. Who I can't, I can't think of at the top of my head. Uh, maybe Gonda from Japan. Um, think those are the ones and I wouldn't worry about if they get knocked out like you said we've got five yeah. five transfers you can just transfer them out um, maybe Costa isn't yeah. a terrible one for Portugal because yeah. they could go through as well Yeah, and for those who've been playing Champions League fantasy he had two penalty saves in the group stages of that one and an assist yeah. I think so uh uh, he, he's shown, particularly on the penalties, uh, which, as people know, on Jeepers Keepers, if your keeper manages to get a penalty save, that you're points. obviously massively in. Um, so um, that that's something <clears throat> to bear in mind with him as well. So that that's the other one there. Um, but yeah, I think, like you say, some of those ones, I think people have uh, immediately latched on to, I think, Chesney, Ryan and Matt Turner. Um, Matt Turner's another one, yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, there's there's a number of options there, I think. Um, but I think those are probably the best ones, like you say, those those ones from the underdogs plus Costa, I think, be, just be, particularly because he has that sort of penalty-saving track record as well, So, yeah. which is a bonus on top. Uh, FPL Commander has said, Hi, gents, great listen to the last pod. Uh, so I got a pretty standard question for Follow the Leader. Who is each combination of the three teams you are picking? And is it important to look beyond the next round and try to predict to the semis, say, when picking them? Um, so I'm not playing follow the leader in the last 16. I know you're less certain. Um, well, I, w I was going to play it and then Japan got through <laughs> and I've got to pick three Japanese players. So I'll probably just play cheapest <laughs> keepers. Um, I think if I was playing it, I'd be on, I'd probably try and slip something different in there. Um, I think that there are some of them that you have to go with. For me, the obvious two are probably France and Argentina. Um, or I think you probably have to have two, at least two of France, Argentina and Brazil. Yeah, if you're going to try something take different, point. You have to have two of those three for me. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you want to go with something like a Portugal um, as as the third option, uh, particularly because you can maybe save a little bit there. Maybe an England, 
um, or if you feel particularly strongly, say, about the Dutch going through, you might want to go with them. Um, but I think Argentina, France, and Brazil are, are the main ones, and I think we've covered sort of the the, the players we like from each of those. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. <laughs> no, that's pretty much the way. I'm <laughs> that's pretty much the way I'm thinking. Um, Man or Martin has asked us. Uh, he said, "Would you prioritize one having a strong nine for followed the leader?" Two, picking two keepers and a bench likely to progress now for Jeepers Keepers next, and having maybe seven or eight for follow the leader. I'm finding it tricky to do both, and being able to play Jeepers Keepers and roll a transfer in the next round could be really useful. Um, so what do you think, Dan? Playing a strong nine for follow the leader, or sacrificing one or two spots to get the goalkeepers? Um, so what you... He's planning to play follow the leader this week. Follow the leader in the last 16 and then Jeepers Keepers in the quarterfinals. I'd worry about this week first because yeah. you've got five transfers. Yeah, is, that, is that it? You've got five free transfers. Um, you know, Maybe the workaround, if you're wanting to do it that way, is to pick someone like Costa now. Um, yeah. or someone, one of the 4.5s that you think might go through, Costa's the most convenient one, 4.5 or maybe a 5 that you think is going to go through where you're not allocating much budget to them um, and that enables you to still go with a strong sort of like um, 9, whether that sort of you then go with a 4.0 thinking, okay for, for now, saving it and saying right, uh, like next game week I'll upgrade that to the Jeeps Keepers Plus, I get five million more. Yeah, exactly. The budget goes up. You've got the free transfers. For me, it's like follow the leader is the one I'd be focusing on maximizing now. Mm. Maximize the boost you're playing now and then worry about the next one. Um, AD Torres asks us, will Messi get the better of Harry Suter? <laughs> I tell you, I know what Jamie would say. I don't know, Jamie would be quite torn there, I think, between his two big loves, Lionel Messi and Harry Souter. Can you imagine big six foot six Harry Souter just marking Messi out of the game? Messi will run through his legs. Do you know, I'd love if Australia won that one nil. I'd love it so much. Um, we'll Forever QPR has asked us I'm leaning towards Jeepers Keepers in match day 4 and playing follow the leader in match day 5 with 5 players from the 2 top teams I think will reach the final thoughts um, I think we've covered that I mean we're sort of forced into it although I liked the idea anyway Yeah, I was, I, I was higher on the idea than you you were, you were less convinced and I think that your concerns about it are logical about like the Having having the perfect opportunity now to set up for it, but well, it's not that. I just think the fixtures are so, are so yeah. good. Yeah, like you could have, say, two teams win three or four nil, and they could absolutely hammer at teams. I mean, whereas those Argentina and France games in particular, you could just be, you could just have all all the points from both games. Yeah, and then not worry about it yeah. um yeah I, i'm not sure i'd try and pick 
players for the final, I don't think. I'll just try and do it round by round because you get so many transfers. Yeah, exactly. You, you can maybe sort of factor that in, the teams you think will go deep. But um, like like we've said, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd be concerned about maximising the boost when you play it. But even at, say I'm, while I'm playing Jeepers Keepers in match day four, I'm still going to have two or three France, Brazil and Argentina. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then I'll load up on whoever gets through. Uh, you know, I was like I said, I was already sort of looking at it and Jeeps keepers yeah. given uh, Australia getting through has given me a convenient excuse to uh, play follow the leader later. Um, but yeah, I think either way is fine, particularly with the fixtures in the last sixteen and the ability to set up for it, and you know who's there and everything. I do think it, it is an interest. It will be interesting to see yeah. what weight because it, I think there will be a split on yeah. people who do. Some people will think, well, the fixtures are too good. I've got to play follow the leader. I can set up for it. Um, and then some people will think, well, I can have two teams of five, or maybe do like a, a four, four three three or something like that. And yeah, it, I am intrigued to see how what way works out and it, it's all going to depend on how well this round goes yeah. like if there's some big score lines in it they're going to win comfortably i think yeah definitely um albion easter has asked us which boost to use after follow the leader and which three countries would you suggest for follow the leader so i think follow the leader we've, we've covered like you know you want you yeah. want two of those big three and then if you want to, at least two of those, and then if you want to try something different, you can. Um, which boost to use afterwards? Jeepers Keepers? Jeepers. Oh, yes. I think if you're going to play Goal Fest, like if you were going to play Goal Fest, I think the only logical time to play it is the last 16. Yeah. I think if you're not playing it in the last 16, don't bother. Yeah. Jeepers Keepers. I love Jeepers Keepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I immediately ruled Goldfest out, but I think the only time to play Goldfest is the last 16. Can you imagine if you get uh, your Hanson Simi in the champ? What, what did he get? Nine saves, uh, weren't it? It's something stupid, like 10 saves or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, 30 F- points. Yeah, exactly. An FPLB has asked the best three teams for follow the leader in Match Day 4. Um, I'll leave that part of the question out because we've got it. Uh, do you think Alvarez has secured his place over Lautaro Martinez? Thinking of Argentina triple and that Fernandez is a good option too. Um, yes, I think personally, I think particularly because it was a must win game and they dropped Lautaro Martinez for Alvarez and Alvarez scored yeah. as well. So I think it's hard to see them reversing that back for the last 16 game. Um, and I think it did work better for them, to be honest. I think I think it helped them in the general play. Um, and um, it seemed that Fernandez was framed as a question. I assume, given that it's spelt with an S, it's Bruno Fernandez. Um, I think he's a good option. Yeah, I'm not sure in Portugal though. No, but I think if you're going to go there, I think he's yeah, he's, he's the, the best option to go option. with. Um, and he has been playing well, so uh, so there is that. But yeah, that's all the questions. Um, so that's everything uh, covered, um, and uh, not in too long a time as well, which is a nice added bonus. 
Um, so we will be back next week. We are going to have a last 16 review slash quarterfinal preview and a championship preview pod for you. Uh, two separate pods. Yes, they will both. Yes, we are doing two separate pods. Um, they will both be coming out next week, though. Um, obviously, we didn't do a review after the games um, before the break. Um, a, we were kind of burnt out. B, we figured there was no point in it. It was, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily going to be helpful unless you just wanted to hear our thoughts on the games. It wasn't going to be helpful from a gaffer point of view. So we'll be recording a game. We'll, we'll be recording a pod uh, to preview. Um, I've completely forgotten which game week it even is uh, that we're returning to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've thought, about, I've thought about the championship so little in this time. <laughs> it's sort of like I don't even know which game week we're coming back to. Um, for those of you that have assets in the... Oh, we're coming back to game week 22. For those of you who have assets in the in tomorrow's um, Sunderland Millwall game, I hope they all do terribly. I have none. Yeah, me too. So uh, I hope they all flop. And <laughs> we shall speak to you again next week. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye.